out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastor. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the writer and journalist. It is the one and only Neil Taylor from the NME days. And uh, he was one of the three people who put together the famous, infamous cassette C86 um, many decades ago, which has gone on to be very popular. And Cherry Red Records has been recently going through the decade, or through the years, bringing out C87 right up to C91. But, big but there, um, next month, October 2022, they are going to put together a compilation, or they have put together a compilation titled C85, it's another triple CD box set that's going to feature such bands as Jesus and the Mary Chain, the Stone Roses, That Petrol Emotion, Wooden Tops, James, the House Martins, and many, many more. Um, again, brilliantly put together, beautiful yeah, booklet design, and also an introduction by the one and only Neil Taylor. Yes, indeed. So... This is it, my interview with Neil that we had very recently to find out more about life, love, poetry and all that other stuff. Um, So this is it, after several minutes of casual chat, we got down to that exciting subject that was the original, uh, where it all started really, which was C86. I know there is a C81 as well. But um, I was just talking about the fact that um, when he did that cassette with, I believe, Adrian Thrills and also Roy Carr, um, they had no idea that it was going to be such a successful cassette in any way. And talking about various bands that were on the cassette itself. So this is Neil picking up that conversation. Neil, take it away. Well, of course, the thing is that C86, unlike many of the other NME cassettes, including C81, um, was wholly independent. There was nothing on that, on that cassette that wasn't independent. Nothing was distributed by a major. It was all done on independent terms. Um, and there were bands on there, you've mentioned Fuzzbox, who I don't think had got a record out or had only just got a record out. Um, so it was a strange beast. It was immediately derided. Um, but at the same time as certain factions derided it, it just continued to keep selling until it went on to become the biggest selling uh, cassette that they issued. I, I mean, I, there were a couple of charity cassettes that probably sold more, but um, or records, charity records. Yes. Uh, so, in a way, it was inexplicable, but I think it was done um, for all the right reasons. And um, you know, there was a there was a sort of honesty about it, even if there was a naivety about it. Yeah. And also, when, when, with, with the people you, you asked, not everybody accepted the, the kind offer to be on it, like the famous June Brides moment, which obviously was quite interesting. And also, most people now say they gave you the, the, the worst of their, their kind of material to put on the cassette as well, which was even more bizarre. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine what the cassette would have been like if we'd got felt on there with Primitive Painters? I mean, that's not my particularly favourite track by Felt, but... Uh, you know, that, that's obviously from time or, or even something from forever, forever breathes the lonely word. If we got uh, television personalities on there, if the mighty lemon drops had given us like an angel, um, uh, if, if McCarthy had given us, you know, anything but the track they gave us. <laughs> 
So, yes, I know a few people. So who else rejected? Did anybody else reject the offer of being on the cassette? I don't think so. But I do know that, you know, there were many... Uh, I mean, there were many bands that we missed that, that, you know, perhaps we should have been talking to and we weren't talking to. I mean, this was all done in quite a rush. Um, I think the first meeting we had was between Christmas and the new year of 1986. So, um, you, you know, 1985 was just over. The cassette came out in May. And obviously in the period in between, they had to do all the clearances. Um, we selected the tracks, but... Um, I know, I know I'm sort of, you know, usually prominently associated with C86, but um, there was a sort of broad in, input, you know, um, um, certain bands, for instance, I, I remember Age of Chance, um, you know, that, 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 that wasn't an inclusion of mine. It, it would gladly have been an inclusion of mine, but, but you know, Don Watson brought that to the table and there, there was sort of... Um, um, you know, so so it was, it, it it was put together to be what it was intended to be, which was, I say, is a a cassette, a marketing tool that would be replaced in twelve weeks by another one. Yes, and did you have? Um, I mean, looking back, do you? slightly regret not putting any of the Welsh bands because I remember John Peel at that stage was playing a lot of music from. Welsh indie bands like Daft Bluggy did did that sort of cross your thought thought yeah, pattern? You know, I, 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 there were many 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 things that should have crossed our minds that didn't. Yes. So then, with with that wonderful world, it doesn't die. It kind of keeps getting stronger and stronger. And now people are writing books about it, and a lot of those bands are still about sort of now writing their memoirs about that period. Then Cherry Red Records picks up and decides, I think there's been a few compilations, but they then bring out the C86, but with a triple CD box set, don't they, which is 66 songs. And then that's such a good idea. They keep going forward in that's time right. to, to 91. I mean, Cherry Red have done a magnificent job really um, in, um, you know, keeping the flame alight and, um, uh, 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 and just digging out all this stuff and, and, and making sure it doesn't get lost. I mean, uh, I mean, initially they'd started with the uh, first box set that covered uh, the pre-86, pre-C86. Um, and then John Reed came to me with the idea of possibly putting together C86. Um, which we didn't think we'd be able to do because we didn't think we'd get the clearances. But in the end, um, I spoke to a few people and, and we did manage to get the clearances. So it went C86 and then it went C87, C88, C89, C90, C91. <laughs> and now it's come full circle and we've come back to C85, which I think covers, at least in terms of C86, um, probably the most significant year. Yes. And is it the case, and this is only a dream, is it a case of going back to the very beginning, probably C81, but also C80, just to sort of tidy the whole project up? Um, well, I think the, 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 we did look at the idea of, of, of reissuing C81, which I think would be lovely, but um, uh, the sort of legal implications of trying to untie the you know, the, the mess that that 
has become a, th a, a, a we didn't think we'd be able to achieve it. Um, you know, you've only got a one or two key bands missing, and it, 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 you can't really right. Honestly, so as a, as a sort of a casual punter in a way, um, yeah. So what is the kind of what are the problems of putting these things together? Because it always seems like oh, it's passing of time. It's a question of who owns the rights and when right. they use the rights. And that can be quite. And it's been identified with C eighty one that there are there are certain rights that belong to, um, you know, uh, certain companies, and the companies aren't willing to to, to sort of re release them. Right, blimey, it's a murky world. Even forty years later, it can still be dragging yeah, on. It can be, yes, yeah. Gladly, I don't get involved in any of that. They, the, the guys at Cherry Red do all that. I would imagine they're very good. So your contribution is often, are you the go-to person for writing sleeve notes and, and the general information about all the bands and all the, the particular record? Well, I, they, they, they use me occasionally, well, not, not occasionally, I mean, they've used me quite a lot to write the sleeve notes to, uh, to these compilations. I, I wouldn't say I'm the sort of go-to expert on every band, on every compilation. Um, certainly, John Reed at Cherry Red is uh, is, is 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 pretty uh, um, well informed in that respect. Um, but they they sort of come to me to sort of try to get a flavour of the period that we're talking about. Yes, um, I mean, I you know, beginning with eight, with C eighty six. I mean, I didn't do the sleeve notes for C ninety one. I mean, I, I think it would be wrong of me to do that because by the time it got to ninety one. Um, uh, you know, I, I was um, less involved, let's say. Yes, <laughs> the zeitgeist had gone. Because when I, you know, reading your book, which is the one of the most kind of, kind of amazing detail, amazingly, you had to be there. You obviously didn't do, you know, you didn't sort of have to go and read, you know, go to the library and find notes. You do have an amazing depth of all the things that happened. Was this your zeitgeist period, the the kind of the mid-80s? Was this kind of where you were out every night going to every little gig, every little you know venue to see these bands who nobody else was interested in? Yeah, to some extent that's true. Um, but um, I started writing for the enemy in 1983. And it was an interesting time to start because, of course, post-punk was still, um, you know, on the blocks and, and, you know, it still had some traction, but it was very clearly running out of uh, steam, so to speak. Um, then 1984 was an interesting year because, of course, of so many uh, fractious moments. You know, we had the miners' strike, you had um, Thatcherism, um, everything was sort of falling apart, even the music press. The music press was on strike for a, for a long period. And I think it was coming back from that strike, which was during the summer of 1984, mm. that everybody realised it was time to draw a line. Something, something new had to be, had to come along, had to develop, had to come out of this. And I think a lot of those um, C86 bands you know, that was their sort of genesis, really, that, that back end of 1984. Very few of those bands on, on C86. I, I, I think I, I've written somewhere that there's something like 17 out of the 22, I think I'm right in saying, yes. uh, that were um, 
that were that either formed or released their first record in 1985. You know, Primal Scream, so on and so forth. Um, and some of them obviously have been around a lot longer, but uh, uh, not many. So, so I, I think it was interesting. And then, of course, towards the end of the year, Live Aid came along, uh, which was a, a very worthy uh, enterprise that was sort of t taken up in a slightly unworthy way when you, you know, saw these sort of bourgeois pop stars effectively furthering their own career. Um, and that, I think, drove enough people away from the way the state of rock mm. to want to go on and, 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 and do something different or at least turn away from from you know the direction that they'd previously been facing and appear to you know put themselves into a ghetto the ghetto that then developed into sort of the indie rock that you know c86 became the Four off. Yes. Well, it's, it was interesting. The few things you mentioned there, because 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 I did an interview with Nick Kent recently, or well, probably last year, and he was saying that when he started writing, I think whether it was the NME or another music paper, this was the kind of earlyish seventies, and he said yeah. most of the people who the writers who were all there and had been there for a while were kind of waiting for the Beatles to reform, and they weren't really interested in punk or the beginnings of punk. So it was almost like you can see that people do have a bit of a zeitgeist moment that is it's going to be there five years and then after that like you were saying c91 you just feel like well that's that's not my bag that's another young person moved on, moved on by then. i think that's quite a good point five years five years really <laughs> is the limit that anyone should be a music journalist because you know you need to be enthusiastic and you need to be passionate about this and some of these guys that have been on these magazines for 20 years you know they do run out of steam i mean you saw that on the nme with people in the 80s you know um um when the smiths came along I mean, this obviously was a great shot in the arm for uh, for independent music, a wonderful band. And um, but you could see the older journalists trying to figure out how they could fit this new band that lots of young kids were getting into, into the schema, um, which was really quite conservative and quite staid. I, I think they were able to do that with the Smiths because the Smiths were a relatively traditional band. Um, uh, they had more difficulty when, um, say, a band like the Jesus and Mary Chain came along, because yes. that was a shock to the system, and, and they, they weren't sure how to, um, to, to respond. Yeah, well, I, I think but with the Smiths, I think they did shock people because people didn't like the whiny lyrics. They didn't like it. They, oh, he can't sing. So I did sort of notice that people from that punk and post-punk period never got into the Smiths. They just didn't like it. And that was just, it was a bit feminine. You know, there was the vegetarian thing. It just blew people's minds. So that was it. And also, I think during that early 80s period, you know, there was like the Falkland Crisis, Minor Strike, Green and Common. And there was a huge amount of unemployment. So you had on one side the people who bought into Thatcherism and were doing well, and the other side who were all these 16, 18-year-olds who were unemployed doing job seekers allowance, enterprise allowance schemes, having that one year of kind of um, almost an indirect grant, but then sort of playing music and thinking, well, we're not that great, but 
they had the gatekeepers, you know, and you had the music press, but you had John Peel and that, I think, gave people that ability to think, well, at least, least we could get played on John Peel and that will be our career. And it's, oh, we've got a John Peel session. And then every city and town in, the, you know, in the UK, which is a tiny little country, has an alternative, in, you know, independent indie night doesn't it so you can get that little tour bus so by 85 86 there is this kind of culture that has kind of built up for a few more years and um and I think that created the scene but like you mentioned Live Aid there there was on the other side you know you had daytime radio one with Simon Bates DLT you know uh, Steve Wright in the afternoon all these kind of love songs you know there was all Phil Collins you know, Sade, you know, that production sound of Trevor Horn. So it was very easy, I think, for a person like myself to enjoy the noise and the and the, and the slight mess of it all, you know. So I think there was a kind of a moment, really, and you were obviously there at the NME embracing well, all these indie nights. It's interesting what you mentioned about unemployment because that's very, very important, obviously. Um, and tying that into Live Aid, I, I remember... Um, I think it was Steve Wright, I hope I've got this right and we don't get sued, um, who, uh, you know, sort of, he, I remember him playing the Live Aid single and, um, and then moments later, uh, regaling us with, you know, how he was going to go on a Christmas shopping trip to Italy. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the Ethiopian cause was worthy. The uh, shopping trip to Italy was a complete irrelevance. Um, <laughs> and that just goes to show, you see, um, I mean, nothing Bob Geldof did, you know, was done for the wrong reasons, but it just gets manipulated. Um, so, so, yes, the unemployment, I think, was interesting. And, of course, out of that, um, you know, comes... You know, you mentioned the Enterprise Allowance Scheme. Creation Records was virtually that for a while at the beginning. You know, there were two or three of them on it. And getting yes. From it. So well, there's a, nice, there's a nice story. I did an interview with Simon from the Chesterfields who have now got a new album out, and I noticed they've got a single on C85, and he was saying, well... He was on furlough last year and they were like, it was almost like being on the Enterprise Alliance scheme again. And they just went, well, let's make a record. We, we, we all live in the same area. Let's kind of use that furlough scheme that, you know, the government have given us a bit like the old days. And um, we'll just start rehearsing and pinging each other cassettes. So nicely, it all comes together in one nice circular motion, holistic holistically isn't it really so the, the important but the funny thing with Live Aid because I, I had a friend who got me a ticket and everyone now says oh my god the Live Aid that must have been brilliant and I remember thinking actually I really hated it because all these bands were the ones that I really disliked so I was one of those grumpy people who hated Queen I was thinking why why don't they have you know Susan the Banshees why don't they have Aswad where's where's the Smiths and I was just kind of so I've had to slightly tone that down being an angsty 80s kind of indie kid who absolutely loathed the whole experience but you know just kind of dragged along because the friend said oh I've got a ticket to this gig and it's like wow that's good enough for me let's go but um yeah I was very disappointed at the time <laughs> uh, well yes I mean it's a, it's uh I, I mean as I say it was a, it was it was worthy I mean my 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 late friend Richard Cook the journalist um you know always used to say to me uh no one's made more money out of misery than Bob Geldof, but um, 
uh, you know, I, I don't want to sort, sort of knock, knock Live Aid because, you know, anything that helps, helps. But that was part of the shift towards, you know, the C85, C86. Yes. So on that front, and obviously with this compilation and good old Cherry Bread, who's always bringing out collections of bands as well as these compilations, you obviously, you brought out your book a few years ago. There's been another book, C86, the yes. kids of. Have, have, you, have you managed to sort of read a copy or get a copy of this? I haven't read it yet. I've been deliberately sort of not wanting to read it in case uh, it says anything nasty about, about me, but... Um... But uh, I, I'm presuming that you've read it. Yes, I've done. I've done a little. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've sort of. To be honest, it's one of those ones. Depending on what bands, the people. Because I've been doing this show and I've been trying to get a lot of the bands from that cassette. And obviously, there's a couple that are impossible. Kath Carroll from Meow is um, really difficult, and I think there's another couple of people. Anyway, yeah, McCarthy are like really difficult. Um, so I've been impressed with people like he's got the shop assistants that I haven't managed to track down, and also Half Man Half Biscuit Nigel. But it's a nice, it's a like a, it's a nice little ride. It's nothing. No, it's absolutely. I can't guarantee it because, um, but I'm pretty sure it's a very easy ride. Think Bill Bryson travels through, you know, a small nation country, um, meets indie pop and just talks about that experience. And it's like a travelogue meeting, you know, people around the country. So it's all very easy and pleasant and um, good for the brand. They did uh, contact me to get them, to, to help, help them get the rights to use the, uh, the image, a C86 image. Um, yes. So, so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, it, it does. It seems very jolly and, and very cheerful, and it's it, it's a good thing that uh, more people are writing about it. It is good. So, with your you brought a fantastic book out, which I still think is one of the best music books on anything, because uh, the depth of it is just so incredible. Um, it's like an academic piece, isn't it? Really, in places because of the 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 content. Um, have you has that now sold out that particular publication? It keeps selling out, and um, we keep reprinting like small amounts, uh, a thousand. I mean, it's currently not available, but um, I'd just like to reveal that we will be making it available again in the next month. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, you will be will be able to. It will it will be back. Um, it will be back. Nice. And also, I know last year you mentioned the potential possibility of another book coming out on C eighty six or thereabouts is this a project that is still um on the cards well i'm afraid it's not uh it really is a project that is you know deserves to be done and i would like it if someone else you know would would take up the baton i mean i i i feel as though i'm letting people down by but by, by not not agreeing to do it and it may well you know it may happen but um I, I've done some work on it, but 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 not enough. But um, um, was this the image and the artwork of that period? I can't quite remember now. Of which period? The eighties. What was the book? And because it was another book on that era, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, and um, well, it was going to take the story up from nineteen eighty six to eighty eight because. Um, um, my, my book uh, really does stop in May 1986. Right. Yes, when I'm talking about Stone, um, uh, uh, 
primal scream I'll, i you know i take the story on a bit um but by and large uh, and i take the story on for a number of bands because sadly a number of the bands imploded the following year you know so we, uh, we all you know it's sort of ground to all the shop assistants the mighty lemon drops all the ma major label signings that sort of didn't work mm. um, but um um, so yeah, so it, it was going to take the story on. Right. So there you go. That's a project that might get picked up, but might not. Never mind. No, I just wondered about. Um, I thought you you were also going to do a book, which was going to be a bit more pictorial as well. But that might have been me. Yeah. Again, I'm I, I'm not sure whether I, I'm not sure that will probably happen, but um, I'm not sure when. Right. There I have. Archive, I have all the material. <laughs> well, I hope you do, because frankly, yes, that your, your particular publication is, I still think, one of the best in the business, because it's just a, su such a lot of depth and knowledge that um, it would be a shame, you know, not to have it back in print, really. And hopefully one day you'll get the energy for another moment to um, finish the decade, nearly. Yeah, I mean, the plan was to write a trilogy, which, which I, I, you know, I, talking now, you know, you know, I am sort of, um, uh, I'm excited about it, but it was quite exhausting um, uh, doing C86 and all that. Um, you know, it was quite a lot of work. Uh, I'd have to organise it in a different way. Um, um, but I, I mean, I can see in my head there are there are there are ways of doing it, but. Um, I'd probably rely more on, um, on on written information and less less on testimony given later, i.e. interviews. Um, I know this sounds terrible, but there aren't that many people you interview who give you the kind of information that you need to deal with the moment you're working on. Um, you know, because it's all done retrospectively, um, you know, it would be nice to do the book and only use original source material from the time. Right. Yes. As well. Um, so we'll see. You, you're you're motivating me to um, to to pick up where I left off. I've just finished uh, another book, um, which is a million miles away, which is basically, I think I may have mentioned it too, or you may, may have read about it, but um, uh, I'm putting together a, a, an anthology of letters to the music press. Oh! From 1960 to 1995. So it's this, uh, it's called A Million Different People. And it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's fantastically human, fantastically warm. It's the exact opposite of rock literature because rock literature is filled with a sort of certitude. You know, people like me come to the table and we tell you this and we're so, you know, so right on. Um, mm. um, but this is just people writing into the papers. That, I mean, it, it may be the only thing they've ever written. And they may, you know, maybe a letter that gets sent in and then goes away and then they're, they're, they're forgotten. Many of them probably dead. Um, but uh, so it's lovely, it's, it's, it's warm and humid. And um, uh, so I'm just sort of finishing that really. I mean, I kind of finished, more or less finished it this week. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. We're, it will be published somewhere, but I'm not sure how, how it will be done yet. 
Oh, fantastic. No, it's good. No, I, I hope you do get sort of that little bug. I know that I think it was Barney Hos Hoskins said that um, after his last book, he'll probably never write another book because the kind of work and having to immerse yourself so much in this project, it does drive you slightly you know, into a space that you're not always emotionally wanting to go to. And um, I'm not saying everyone ends up as a junkie, but um, I think a few people kind of, it takes you into a dark side, doesn't it? I loved writing with uh, C86 book. Uh, I, when I started, I found it quite difficult to, um, to get into it. Um, the initial chapter, which really takes a look back to C81, I suppose, um, that period, I actually wrote that chapter I think last. So the first chapter of the book was the last chapter I wrote. Um, but you know, I, I I actually enjoyed running through it. You know, it was um, it, so so that wasn't. But like you say, I mean, it does. It just it just drains you. You know. Um, um, but I mean, I basically, if nobody else does it, I'll do it. That's a good idea. <laughs> it's a deal. <laughs> It's a deal. And also, and you probably realise, because I can't remember, it's the, um, I think I've got this book here, wait a minute. There's a, there's a new publisher in town, isn't there? This one here, which is this one, nine, eight books. Everyone's writing, writing books on nine, eight books. So yes, you'll, you'll notice that so many people and mostly this is the 80s but also the 90s who started writing their memoirs Mickey from Lush has just got one and the guy from World of Twist and um so I do think that there is going to be a market and after Nigel's book I think you know it would be great to see another complete you know because it kind of because when people started talking about indie pop in the 90s it felt very like well that's not my memory of what indie pop is yeah. at all so I think actually that would just about kind of nicely finish it up. And would you take it to that kind of the scene of, of like My Bloody Valentine, Silverfish, The Faith Healers? Would that encompass, you know, those so, sort of... I, I loved all those bands. And I think, think um, you know, sort of, uh, um, you know, I mean, there, there was some fantastic music around as, the, as, as sort of the 80s ended and the 90s started. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, why not? I mean, I, I, I think my Bloody Valentine were astonishing, you know, sort of uh, one of the two best bands on creation. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, look, thank you ever so much for this, Neil. This has been brilliant to catch up again and good luck on that project, a million different people, and I'll look forward to that. So, um, and good luck with all your edu further education with your children. Okay, thanks very much, David. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a lovely day. Yeah, and look forward to the reprint as well. That's good. Bye okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. There you go, <clears throat> dear listener. That's how you finish a conversation. That was me in conversation with Neil Taylor, talking about the next compilation from Cherry Red Records on the indie world, or in the indie world, C85, and that's going to be coming out at the end of October um, 2022. Featuring somewhere in the region of 20, 50, 
70, 72 tracks, in fact, I do believe. And it's got a brilliant booklet and great notes about each of the bands and songs especially, and a brilliant introduction from Neil Taylor, who does know his stuff. Um, and hopefully he'll be bringing his or reprinting his book C86 and all that, the creation of indie in difficult times. Um, and if you want to know how to get a copy of it, you can always ask me and I might be able to put you in the general direction, I think. Anyway, um, yes, if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. And also, all these fascinating interviews have been archived and you can find those on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. And just do C86 Show, they're all there. Keep it positive, keep it groovy. Anyway, look, have a great week and stay safe. <laughs>